So we have a project. We have a project. We call it OM Champion Project. Hello, I'm, my name is Luca and welcome for another episode of the Marseille View. Today's a bit of a special episode, we're recording our first UCL Champions League uh, recording of the Marseille View after two years of the podcast, but it's been seven years since Marseille um, uh, played in the last competition, earning a grand total of zero points. And true to their colours, we get started against the worst team in the group, against Olympiakos, and managed to put out a pretty pathetic performance uh, and get back from, from Greece with zero points. Um, so we're going to talk a lot about the game, we're going to talk a lot about AVB, who you guys all know that I love. Um, we're going to talk a lot about usual suspects that are, are, as always, very, very disappointing, and all that stuff. Um, we might touch on the, the Liga at the end if we have time, but mostly we're going to focus on, on Champions League football. Um, so to do this with me, uh, I've got uh, two, returning, two returning speakers. I've got uh, Ed. How are you doing, Ed? I'm very good, Luke. As well, I'm glad to be back. Yeah, yeah. Best best time to come back, isn't it? After after defeat, we all want you to check up the Well, you need a special guest. I was available, so ready to fire. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> all right, good. And then the, the the second speaker that I like to introduce is is Jeremy. How are you doing, Jeremy? I'm good, Lucas. How are you, man? Yeah, not not too bad. Not too bad. How are you feeling after the after the the loss yesterday? Ah, look, it's been it's been a tough one. You you have you always hope that you're going to be able to show up in the good, in the right games, and then uh, and then Marseille is Marseille, so they didn't show up. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like every time every time we cover a loss against a, an average team, it's it's always the same thing, isn't it? I, I hear the same people say the same things over and over again. It's just like you 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 hope you get a better result, and then at the end of the day, it's Marseille. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, I think we should get straight into it. Um, well, so I'll just introduce the, the game a little bit. So Marseille, like I said, started its first game of the campaign in Champions League after returning it uh, with a, a seven-year drought of uh, Champions League football. Playing against Olympiakos, who was supposed to be on paper, the, the, I mean, the team to beat, you know, to grab six points against, to be able to put a best foot forward against Porto and Manchester City. We go play away on our first game. Well, let's debrief the game, but I mean, it's pretty pathetic. So, I'd like to hear your guys' thoughts on like broad strokes of, of your impressions of the game. And I think I'll go to Ed on the first one. Um, what, what did you make of, of the game in you know broad sense? I think, to be honest, we got very lucky uh, that Olympiacos didn't beat us 2 3 0. This team, I mean, a lot of people say that Olympiacos is the worst team in the group. You've said at the start. Let's not kid ourselves. This team got to the quarterfinals of the Europa League and were very unlucky to lose to Wolverhampton Wanderers. So I don't think we should underestimate, but it was turgid. Absolute turgidness. This team cannot decide one minute whether it wants to turn up or whether it wants to not bother. 
we have seen this time and time again. One minute we get like the performance we saw against PSG in Bordeaux, and then we get performances which just fall flat. This one was very, very flat. Uh, well, I watched some of the goal, watched the disallowed goal and the opening goal. There were five or six players in the spot. Box. None of them were doing anything. Everyone was just standing there like statues. Like, huh, huh, huh? Where, where's it going? Where's it going? Where's it going? Trying to be a hero. If it weren't for Simon Donda again, this would have been a four-nil loss, and the drubbing and the outcome would have been even worse. There needs to be something fixed. I don't know whether you drop players. I don't know whether you drop Dimitri. I don't know whether you drop uh, Benedetto. But something has got to change because this is a rut now. You know, this is one of the games we thought we could get something out of this. This isn't a good start when you can't get anything. You know, we've got Porto coming up in the third and fourth game. We've got to win those two. I can't see us getting much against City. So this is really a missed opportunity and a half. Yeah, there's a lot in that. I think the biggest disappointment that that, that I hear you say is, is that, you know, the, the players being so disappointing and how turgid it was. And the it's been a theme that's been reoccurring, like recurring for the past what four weeks now. That has been hidden with all the draws and all of the last minute like equalizers that we scored. But it's the same team AVB puts for. I mean, I'm gonna I'm gonna cover AVB in a minute. But like you just just touch on your on your point is that it's the same team AVB puts forward. Whether it's a bad game or a good game, players that you think should be dropped are, are, are pinged, You know persisting to be put in a starting lineup and it, it's like you said it's just tired tired performances uh yeah jeremy what, what what would you like to say about that what's what was, what was your uh, impression? yeah yeah i think i i agree with ed on the fact that um they didn't show up i don't know what they expected with that game um like you said ed i think olympiakos was really good last season uh so did, did, did they expect that they were going to go to greece and they were going to get uh, completely rammed, so they decided to play down. But then Olympiakos in the first 15-20 doesn't really show up. So you see them playing a little bit higher, and then it looked like it looked like they're lost. What what really struck me was every time Olympiakos has those opportunities that you discussed, you have five or six Olympiakos players within the box of Marseille as well, like or or around the box. Whether when we have the counter attacks, um, there's maybe Tovan, maybe Benedetto, and no one else really could get fucked to actually um, to actually attack for Marseille. So that was what I what I found was really uh, annoying is that, you know, if, if you if you don't defend well because you're not smart enough to be in position, sure, whatever. But it's the UEFA Champions League and I think you want to win against that one team that looked like is beatable. Uh, and whenever you have an offensive opportunity, there's only two or three players actually getting behind it, uh, which we saw what Pedro, uh, Pedro Mendes did with Olympiacos is literally every time there was an opportunity, four or five players were going forward uh, and the movement forward for Olympiacos was actually pretty good, which uh, completely threw off our team uh, up until the, the, the very last minute when we when we got the goal again. So yeah, I was a bit surprised about how the goal, the, the game turned out. I did think that Marseille was going to park the bus to start with. Maybe maybe the fact that Olympiacos didn't really have the position at the beginning of the game threw them threw them off their game. But uh, but I mean, come on, I know that Lucas, you're going to talk a bit about AVB, but uh, but so disappointing that he's not able to read what's going on into the game and to adapt. Uh, and and so such a disappointing performance for the, by the players. If you're not motivated seven years after the last UCL game, I don't know what you need to be motivated. That was me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah I, mean, I mean, I agree with all your points, but it's, it's, it's not been 
for me, I, I know we can't downplay the opponents, and you know, Olympiacos are here for a reason, they're, they're made it through, and they've got a history behind them, but I mean, clearly, Olympiacos were the easiest team to play, you know, like, for sure. when, when, when you were looking at pots in the third, third seeded teams, Olympiacos were the team that you wanted, like, you had the likes of Leipzig, you had Salzburg, you had uh, Atlanta, Inter Milan, Olympiacos is a godsend, and you played them first as well to build yourself a momentum and, and play, you know, like relax against Man City next week. And it's just like, how do you, how do you get into a game so deflated um, when I, your back's not against the wall because it's the first game of the season, but where are you going to grab the points now? You know, this is the point that you had to, had to get in order to, to, to have a chance of getting through roof stages. You go first and then you lose straight away. So... I agree that you need to respect your opponents, but I mean, Olympiacos is not a good team. They've got Valbuena, who's what, is it 36 years old, and Vila, who was <laughs> awful last year. Like, and even the game itself, there was the tempo wasn't Champions League football. It was very mm-hmm. slow. It was like very messy. There was a lot of fouls. There wasn't a lot of like like proper, you know, world class tactics being played. And you, I'm struggling to see how with our squad. We didn't have a like show a better face, you know, like whether it's it's the squad, whether it's the tactics being employed. But as much as I hate AVB, like just general impressions of the game, the players just didn't look up for it. And like AVB can teach them tactics and he can teach them formations, but he can't teach them effort. And there was it just seems like a lot of the times, like you said, Jeremy, like Olympiacos were countering, and then there were six players in the box. We were countering. I mean, Tovan got the ball in, in their own half and then he got mm. caught up by two central defenders. You're like, third, like, you're 27 in your prime. How are, you getting, how are you so out of gas in the 50th minute that you can't even run 40 yeah. yards? You know, we just looked gassed. There was no effort. And, you know, we didn't deserve, to, we didn't deserve anything else but a loss yesterday. Yeah, unfortunately. But you, that, you, that's why you say, you know, you don't want to... You don't want to end, overestimate them, underestimate them, whichever. Um, so that's why you're wondering what what did AVB think? I mean, I know that Olympiacos had a good start of the season, uh, and El Arabi is scoring left and right since the season started. Um, but yeah, it does it does look like he he was expecting to face a team who was going to be attacking the whole time, um, and that didn't really happen. It, maybe he didn't expect them to be as bad as they were. Uh, but that's again, that's what's disappointing in how you approach the game. Yeah, absolutely. Well, let's let's talk about AVB in our first little segment here, because I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot of to talk about. Because as much as I hate I hate AVB at this point, you know, it, it, as much as I hate AVB, from everyone, whether it's the media, whether it's local media, whether it's fans or even players at this point, after Rongier's comments at the end of the game, he's becoming a little bit unpopular with his approach to the game. Um, last week we played Bordeaux with. With a completely different system, we win our first game in four in, in five games, quite convincingly. <laughs> and so you expect, in a way, you expect that three days later, you know, like let's keep on the momentum, let's play the same players in the same position and see what happens against a fairly weak to average opposition. And he puts the same tactic that he used that wasn't working: the four-three-three with Payet as a left wing with Benedetto, who's ghost, and it's. AVB just seemed like he was going through the motions again, playing the same squad in, in the same 
bad formation. And at the end of the game, he comes out saying that, you know, Olympiakos was lucky to score in the 90th minute. It's just like, what do you guys make? I'll go to Jeremy first. What do you make of, of AVB's approach to the game at the moment? And do you think that it's like starting to get on the hot seat a little bit? I, I think um, I think there's there's two things there. I think AVB, weirdly enough, he's, he's a coach who maybe wants to win. I'm not sure about that. But it seems like he's really a coach who wants to make sure that his team is always happy. And in my mind, when I see the starting lineup, the first thing I thought was, sure, this team may brought you to the to the championship uh, this season, so you're going to make them play. In my mind, the only reason why you find Sanson, Rangier, uh, Payet in the starting lineup is because that's the team that last season finished second in Ligue 1 and because above anything else, AVB is a player's manager. I don't think he's... We haven't seen how good he can be as a tactical manager. We haven't really seen the intensity. What we've seen is that the players are playing for him and you know the whole story about him supposedly quitting and then coming back uh, was all about the players. So in my mind, the only reason why we see that exact team is because minus Camara was suspended. That's the team that qualified Marseille to the semi-final, to the Champions League final, to the Champions League group, sorry. Um, that, that's the only reason I can see for this to happen. From what from what we hear and see and know, he loves Cuisance and he was so happy to be able to get Cuisance and, and he got his first inning against Bordeaux. And I wouldn't be surprised if from now on, Cuisance is going to be on, on the game. As far as the tactic and the 4-3-3, as soon as you put Payet in the team, I don't think he has a choice. He said it last week uh, in that um, RMC show, uh, where when you have Payet, you can't put him anywhere else because basically he's a liability defensively. Uh, so I think that's why he kept the 4-3-3. The three, three. And again, I really thought that he came into the game thinking he was going to park the bus um, and play in counter-attack. But he also says that if that's why he's going to play, he can't play with Payet and Tovin up front. And that's why he got Luis Enrique and Radonjic in at the end of the game. <clears throat> at the end of the game, because he needs some more deep, some, some deeper players. So then I don't understand. If you think you're packing the bus, don't put that same starting eleven. But if all you want to do is actually please your players, which is what I think of AVB mostly, um, then he just put the same starting eleven that supposedly was faithful to him. I mean, you know, last week on that show, Morgan Sanson was said, "Oh, great, you didn't leave." Uh, this summer, we're happy that you're here. And he was like, you know, I really want to play Champions League football with Marseille. So then it would have been weird for Villas-Boas to be like, oh, yeah, great, thank you for saying that. But actually, you're on the bench because you're being shit, which is, in my mind, what he should be doing. Because if you don't do that, if you don't keep them accountable, then why would they start playing good? As far as Payet goes, I just think he's, he's our star player, however that sounds. Um, so, so that's why he played. I think it was, I hope, I really hope that it was AVB saying, hey, th that's your shot at actually being good in Champions League. I'm putting you again a shit team and let show us how good you are. And I and I really, really hope that that's when he's being dropped off the team for, I don't know, one or two games just for him to understand. I don't think, I think Olympiacos was also the only game where we can actually learn something about what AVB can do in Europe because against Porto and Manchester City, no doubt that he's going to park the bus. You don't even have a choice. We're going to get run over the whole game and, and unfortunately you think, you think or fortunately the same story as Man City. For sure. I I've 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 enjoyed following a little bit of, of the Portugal football. Um they have 
a lot of talent. And it's not the Manchester City talent who's confirmed and who <clears throat> who's already that good. It's the talent that wants to end up going to Manchester City the season after and playing in Champions League for Portuguese team is is always so so over motivating that they just want to play like the most attractive football possible. I think we're going to be surprised unfortunately uh, by Porto and by some of their of their young offensive squad. So what do you think? Do you think he's on a hot seat or not? Do you, do you see him? Well, where do you see him go? Because it, it's starting to get difficult very quickly. You know, we're disappointing in the league. We're disappointing, potentially going to get crushed in Champions League. What do you think that leaves him? I don't think he's in the hot seat. I don't. I, I don't think at all. I think he's. There's too much. Um, you know, half of the half of the Marseille fans are starting to question him, but the other half just love him. And and again. The reason why all the players are still here or whatever is maybe him uh, and and vice versa. He's him thanks to the player. Uh, I really don't think he's in the hot seat. I think the chats are going to happen now about him being the hot seat and hopefully that's going to bring the players to actually play better. Uh, but I, I absolutely don't see him leaving before the end of the season unless um, even if we get zero points in Champions League, I'm not sure he's leaving as long as we're in the top five in Liga mm. because... The chat will be, you know, we knew Champions League was going to be hard. It's the first season in seven uh, in seven years that we are there. It's already great that we made it. And look at us in Ligue 1. We're about to make it again. And all oh, la, it was so hard because we played every three games for three months. And da, 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 da. there'll be, there's too many excuses to justify the fact that we can't win against City and Porto. Olympiacos is the one that's, that, that will cause a problem. But I don't see him being in the hot seat. I think there's too much support. And also, I think... Marseille is finally trying to actually be stable. Uh, you know, how much shit did Ero get during the summer? And I was surprised that he's still here and that he finds the right people to be around him. So if, if the president can stay with all that shit, I don't see the coach who brought, back, brought us back to Champions League leaving before the end of the contract. I think the only change would be he might not be offered the contract yeah. because they're going to wait until after that to offer him a new contract. Yeah. potentially hopefully I'm, I'm that not, Garcia mistake won't happen I'm not sold on the fact that we want to be such I mean I'm sure we want to be a stable club but I'm not sold on the fact that just like Garcia if, if things get too hot if the results are not there there's no way he survives the season if the results are not there what about you Ed what what do you AVB what, what, what's your take on it because I know that you've been quite <laughs> you you've been quite nice I mean I remember the days when it was you me and Ben and I was the only one that was criticizing AVB well, to change your mind a little bit uh well, I can definitely tell that the honeymoon is over. The honeymoon period is uh, definitely dead and buried. Um, I feel really we have we, uh, there's too much sentiment sentiments around. Like, oh, he got us the Champions League. How wonderful, you know. Oh, let, let's build a statue for him so high that you know the the international space station can see it. Um, for me, the, the tactics have been abysmal. I, one, I mean, how can you go from beating PSG? away from home for the first time in donkeys which was a huge moment and AVB will probably be eternally grateful for that but how can you then go from that to drawing with Long? I think it was a clear mistake dropping Cousins from the lineup last night I think he played really well against Bordeaux so to suddenly drop him was complete lunacy why, why, why drop a guy who's playing superbly well you know it, it, it's, it's ridiculous it's did he not watch the Porto game or did the mask cover his eyes when watching it? 
Because the ball over performance was arguably one of the best performances I've seen for a long time to absolutely hammer them. It's it, the the thing is the real the real thought for me is that we have had a really awful summer. Come on, let's be brutally honest. The summer has been utter chaos. One minute we hear ABBs out, next minute Zuby's got one foot. Next minute Zuby's out. We hear this constant amount of melancholy. Uh, oh, AV, oh uh, everyone wants this, everyone wants that. <sighs> Start realising that this isn't last season. We've got a plenty of expectations. It's not like we've got, we're playing in four trophies either. We're playing in three. So it's, it, uh, AVB's got to find that balance and it's got to find it correctly. I certainly don't think the balance that he played last night worked. I think we've got to play the way we played against Bordeaux, where they were more free, more attacking. Turban was at, was really getting those balls. Kusas has got to play a lot more now. You've got to start playing Enrique. You've got to really start playing your new kids. You've got to drop guys like Benedetto. You've got to drop guys like Dimitri Payet because it's not good enough. We can't have this whole idea that, oh, well, they got us there last year. Let's give them a starting place out of, you know, just just as a, you know, thank you letter. If they want something to thank them for, give them a pay rise. You know, not a starting position. It also seems to me that ever since the PSG game has happened, they've all become really Bertie big bollocks and thinking, well, we beat PSG, we'll, we'll just not bother turning up. Well, it's a bit hard saying that when after you were involving in fistfights with Paredes. You know, get your act together. This is a Champions League, for God's sake. It's not the Europa League. There's no time for you lot to be all sentimental about things. Get over it. We've got game to go. We've got a tough as hell game against City at home. Although I don't, well, I don't think there'll be any fans there, so that, that is a disadvantage gone. Although saying that, Olympiacos could have probably put more passes if they had fans because their home atmosphere is rocket fuel. And then you've got the two Porto game. If we get anything out of Porto, I will be mortally surprised. Because this poor team, they didn't look great against City, but they got the lead and they put City under pressure. What are they going to do if they score? What are we going to do if they score against us? We're going to panic. We'll be like, oh god, oh god, oh god, it's happening again. Oh dear, oh god. AVB's just going to stand there looking through a, a notepad. I can't see any change. I just cannot see it unless we go back to the way the creative football that got us into that position last season. I can't be wrong, surely. I don't know that I've seen. Oh, sorry, sorry, Lucas. I don't know that I've seen creative football last season either, though. Ed, like I, I think what we see this season Ooh. with AVB is probably what we've seen last season as well. Last season there was just maybe a little bit more, like you said, um, a bit more intensity from the players itself. And and the credence, I can't, I, I, I agree wholeheartedly with you. He's actually the only player who has Champions League experience and who just come from a club where. Well, they've won you it. know what it means to play in Champions League. Yeah, exactly. I mean, okay, I I can see your point where it wasn't always great, but it, there were some really barnstorming performances, like the game against Bordeaux, against Lyon, where they yeah. really put the cosh and they were really flowing the gold in. Can we see this now with this lot? No chance. They, they should be motivated seven years since we played the Champions League and you can't even turn up for the first game? What is wrong with you? Yeah, I, I think we'll, we'll probably, I mean, we'll definitely cover the players, um, but f like, for me, it's, it's the, the fish rots from the head down in the sense that 
like the players are, are at fault for sure because they're the ones at the end of the day that are kicking the ball but like AVB's approach to, to, to games is, is shocking and it's we've been saying these things now since what since Angers which was in November December last year where he he, he, he just started basically turning his his face or turning his eyes against like beautiful football and just being completely pragmatic and deciding that you know what I'm just going to park the bus against every team because league and teams don't really know how to play football properly so we'll be able to to counter off of that and every every game since then you know everyone's been saying don't criticize the game because we're winning we're winning we're winning see we're in Champions League football but I'm like yeah we're winning but as soon as we don't there's going to be nothing to hold on to there's no sense of of tactics there's no like there's no chemistry between the players it seems like it's like what are you what are you practicing a training you know like and that comment he said he said last week about like the reason why I don't play Payet in as a number 10 in 442 diamond I thought was such a cop out what what does that mean I can't put him as number 10 because he's going to be a liability defensively great he's a liability, liability anyway. then then you then you get out of the squad and we find somebody better than you. If that tactic is better, that tactic is better, period. That's what bothers me with AVB, although I think it is not in danger, is that he, he feels like he doesn't want to take the the hard, he doesn't want to make the hard decisions because he doesn't want to be the guy who's being criticized at the end. That doesn't even make sense though. Payet's mm-hmm. always been a liability. A left wing during the whole year where Amavi last year was shocking, Payet was a liability then, like, and we needed help on the left side, but he still put him there. Like, I don't understand how that's an excuse to not play him as a as a centre attacking mid because under Bielsa he played there, like he's mm-hmm. played there before, and he's just the same liability in the middle of the field that he is on the left side. At least he'll be more involved in the play. Like, it's, it. I, I mean, I've I've never been a fan of his, but it's for me. <laughs> Like, I don't think that Marseille will ever be a stable club. Like, you, we're, we're playing a game every three days now. We're playing on Saturday and we're playing on Tuesday again because the Champions League is every week. There's no time for AVB to, to burn, like, jokers so quickly because Lorient is away. It's, again, it's, it's on synthetic, a synthetic p- pitch. Seeing that AVB is completely refusing to make any substitutions, it's going to be the same squad that is playing every three days. Like, no wonder there's no fitness in the team because they're playing all the time. There's no time to rest. And it, it's, that, that falls at his feet because he, he, he hasn't got, at least he's not showing the capacity of involving his substitutes to the point where they're match fit. You know, it's, we've played, what, eight games now? Belerdi hasn't played enough to be comfortable to be put yeah. in the starting lineup. It's it's a miracle that Gay is able to play like decent football, seeing that he's played three games in total. Enrique just arrived. Radonic has only played two games, so how can you how can you be confident in him coming off the bench? You're you're putting Radonic striker instead of Jama. Like these are all substitute players. Strutman, who's being put like away like this. This season, because of coronavirus, it's going to be so packed of games and you're just basically shutting up so many of your substitutes to the point where if they come on the pitch, they're not going to have an impact because there's, they've, they've got no confidence. Well, no, they're going to be like Bambi on ice. Bellerardi didn't look exactly look fantastic when he played. He looked, he looked all over the shot. 
Enrique is prob- probably going to need some time. Jermaine's not going to be fit, really. Strootman's been cast off into Siberia. <sighs> there seems to be a problem with ADP. He does one great season at a club and then it all goes to pot. It happens everywhere he goes. It seems that way. And I'm really worried that we're going to have that syndrome that AVB has. Because it happened at Zenit, it happened in China. Didn't really happen in Chelsea and Tottenham because it sacked very quickly. Um, mm-hmm. It's There's something worrying. And they can't... This is what AVB's got to say to the players. OK, we did have a good performance. You lot weren't particularly great. We've got to go and get those three points against Lorient. And we've got to get, we've got to get something out of City. End of. We cannot... We, if we had won against an Olympiacos, I would have said, OK, fine, you know, we might lose against City. Big deal, we've got three points out of Olympiacos. If we get a point, we can say the Champions League group stage is back on. If not, then with coronavirus being, and all the games coming thick and fast, we're going to be in serious, serious bother. And I really hope that the players get pick themselves up. There needs to be a leader in that dressing room right now. And I don't think it's Dimitri Payet. I don't certainly don't think it's Andres Villas-Boas. Yeah, I mean, you're right. Games are going to come thick and fast. And it, it it's getting a little bit worrying for, for AVB, you know, showing that he's got ability to, to, to ride the storm. Um, so I guess we'll, we'll, we'll see about Villas-Boas and then hopefully he changes tactic against, against Lauren and maybe against City. You know, you never know. You always, there's always a little bit of hope there. Um, but let, let's focus on some of the some of the players now because obviously they were the ones that were playing on the pitch and delivered that shocking performance yesterday. Um, I like to start from from the top, so I like to start from Benedetto. Uh, I'm, I'm not targeting the man, I swear, I swear, but it's I think he's the elephant in the room. You know, he <laughs> has been shocking since the start of the season. Uh, he hasn't scored since his hat trick against Nîmes, which was back in March. So he's clearly lacking a lot of confidence. He actually got injured to the point where he needed an MRI last weekend. So you'd think that it's the perfect opportunity to you know to rest him to say, look at him, look at it, mate. You're you're not on form. You're injured. Just sit this one out and then come back stronger. But ADB, true to his word, decides to put the same team forward, and Benedetto delivers another shocking invisible performance, uh, topped off by an amazing one-on-one. Shocking mm. miss from him, um, Jeremy. What, what's your what's your score <laughs> out of ten on Benedetto? <laughs> uh, ah, damn, not a lot. Maybe, maybe two for the kilometers that you run. Uh, that, that, that's all. That's all I have. Like it's, uh, and I'm I'm always the one who's like, oh, don't criticize the striker because he doesn't score. And look at what he does besides scoring and against Bordeaux, his very first run allowed Toven to score. And I was like, okay, cool. That's what he can do when he's not on the ball. And that, that, that's what can help. He brings player to one side. Wait, wait, but wait, yesterday... You, you give him credit for Toven's first goal against Bordeaux. That was like a 35-yard shot. I do. If you look, if you if you look at it, when when he does he does the run, it looks like Toven might send him the ball. And the run of Benedetto brings four players to him. Because Bordeaux stupid, obviously. All right. Um, You're but, very, but very generous. <laughs> I, I am, I am. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, uh, besides besides that, and yesterday, obviously, where is a game where actually you need him to be that, that anchor. And we know he's not that anchor, but last season when he started, I felt like we also 
oh, this guy can actually control the ball. Oh, this guy is able to to do amazing one-touch passes and, and he's, he sees the game and da, da, da. And we've lost all of this. And unfortunately, when all that is gone, he has a one-on-one opportunity that can put us up front and that can allow us to do what we do so well, which is defending, supposedly. Um, and, and he's not taking that chance. So... Yeah, I'm wondering what you know. How how is he better than Jamal right now? Yeah, Ed, do you wanna go 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 for it before I uh, I give my opinion? Yeah, sure. Um, well, first off, I would probably I, mean, I don't like to criticize strikers, and I don't like to criticize Dario Benedetto, but he's been way off for us of late. So last night was pretty awful. Didn't get the chances he deserved, but. When you're a striker, you can only do so much. So I'm going to be a bit more generous. I'm going to go with a three. Uh, mainly because, unfortunately, you are really stuck if you're a striker. If you go out of position, the ball comes to you, you're out of play, you're going to get shouted at. Same thing, but So I can't really give him too much. I've got to give him a three. All right, fine. Um, what? Well, I like being harsh on strikers, personally, so I'm going to be of a change of... Uh... Of flavor between you two guys, um, it's. It, I mean, it, this game is just in line with his previous games. You know, he his, it seems like just like Gemma, that he is just you know running away from from the game and anything that comes to him, he messes it up. You know, against Bordeaux and he did it against Olympiacos. He like turns around, passes the ball thirty yards to nobody. You know, he gets a godsend miracle of a pass from Tova because Olympiakos just gave it away in their own half and the keeper doesn't even do that well he just leaves his foot on the floor and it's like you have to like the keeper leaves his foot on the floor and he's diving early like come on Benedetto like why are you rushing like you're under 15 just like scared of dribbling past the goalkeeper or like taking your time chip it a little bit or don't even have to chip it hit it but not just lift it off the floor a little bit like it's just is so uninspired when he gets golden chances and he gets so many passes when he doesn't get golden chances. I'm sorry, but you're not a target man. You're not supposed to stay up front all game long. You're supposed to drop back and get the ball. And you, you were advertised to be this player who like has technical ability to you know get involved in the build-up and do one-touch passing and, and get across. And since his first five games, that's completely disappeared. I'm sure he's good. He's good of a player. He's like it's just confidence. But at Marseille, we seem to just destroy our, our our strikers, never to be seen again. So now, I don't understand why we're not benching him at least for the moment, give him a bit of rest, and potentially just put Germain on. I hate Germain. But it's the only option we have because of the lack of recruitment in that position. Enrique is not a striker. Enrique is a left, is a left winger. And you can't put Radonich up front. Like That's the kind of dilemma that Benedetto is putting you in because of his awful quality. I think AVB is going to put him on again against Lorient, but there's, there's no way that a, a decent manager and a decent squad has him starting game in and game out every game. So, 
<laughs> I, I, I've just started this this score scoring system out of the blue. I, I give him a, I give him a one, a one. There's the, there's just there's nothing for me to, to hold on to with him. Uh, right. Well, let, let's let's move down the the squad then. We've got the supposed to be our our, our key key partnership of uh, Payet and uh, and Tovan. Uh, for me, this seems like they gave an illusion of being involved in the game for the first 10 minutes and then completely disappeared. You know, you're, you're expecting those players to lift you when you're struggling, which is which was the whole game, essentially, we struggled, to, you know, keep the ball, to, to, to make something out of desperate situations, and they just disappeared until, until the minute they came off, there was just nothing from them from the 10th minute onward. What did, what, what did you guys think about it? Well, Dimitri Payet's in a bit of a slump, as we know. Servan was just irrelevant. They were both irrelevant, to be honest with you. They were, Payet was huffing and pouting during the match. Servan was the same. I don't think they were any good. I'd give them three each, because they were that poor. They need to do a lot better next time. And if they don't, well, yeah, they've got to get dropped. So, I mean, short and sweet, I know, but there's nothing really to say. It was all, it was a turgid performance all round. So, you, you've got to score low with these guys. They're supposed to be our star players and they don't turn up, so. You put them on the, you, you put them on the same, like, quality. You said three for each, but do you think they were both as bad as each other? Yeah, three for each. And, yeah, they were both as bad as each other. They both were pretty turgid. <laughs> so, you've got to just, if you can't. You can't be seen as praising one another because it looks biased. So you both could have given three. It's just. I, I, I think Tervan was a little bit more involved than Payet, at least, at least in, for the majority of the game. But I mean, they're still disappointing. But... You would expect him to be a bit more involved. Because it is Tervan. He's, he's one of the quickest players on our team. If he didn't run, you'd think Payet's been teaching him lessons on how to run because it was pathetic. Both. But again, they were totally irrelevant. You know, they still didn't help. They still didn't look. Still didn't help us win the game. So you can't be nice and say, "Oh well, one was better, one was better than the other, and all that." You know, yada yada yada. Uh, sorry. I don't think. I think. I don't think when you speak, there's like a fan noise coming out in the back every time you speak. <laughs> Is there? <laughs> yeah, a little bit. Try to sort it out, uh, Jer Jer Jeremy. I'll go, go, go to you to talk about Tour Vampire. Uh, I think Payet was worse than Tovan for uh, for a couple of reasons. I think the first thing is uh, defensively, Payet was just terrible. I remember one opportunity where I think it's Valbuena and Rafinha combining and Payet just sort of full-on decided to not follow his man. And then there was an opportunity on the right wing for, for Olympiacos. And I think Payet is actually lucky that he has an Amavi that is supposedly on form since the beginning of the season and he's running back and forth and he's actually helping him a lot defensively whether Tovin on his side Sakai is not as good as we we like Sakai to be um, so he has to to defend I think a little bit more uh, I'm not saying that he's doing it right uh, but yet you still see him trying to do those runs up front and trying to always be available and, and do a bit more run so I, I, I agree that they were both shit yesterday and the first 10 minutes we thought they were going to get a little bit better so it's even more disappointing when they're supposed to be the ones scoring but yeah I, I do uh I, I do four for Tovin and two for Payet because I'm really I'm really pissed off about the fact that Payet brought literally no intensity at least I've seen Tovin going into a couple of 
one-on-one -on -one contacts where he tried to leave his foot in the middle. I didn't see anything from Payet. Yeah, um, yeah, you do, you do expect them for Payet, especially seeing that he had essentially three weeks off. You know, the, the whole team looked mm -hmm. gassed, but there's just no reason for Payet to look gassed. And I'm getting a bit. I mean, Ed Ed commented that that you know the the, the usual Twitter thing that Payet's overweight, but Payet's looked like that since he's been back in Marseille, and he's had excellent spells. It's not his weight. It's not his weight, and he's he's not as over like he looks overweight because he's just got baby cheeks. But he's actually like <laughs> he's when you see him in other photos, he's normal. You know, he's not like built like a Greek god, but he's like he's normal, athletic player. But it doesn't really matter for him. It's the effort, and it's the you just you, you look at him, and he just looks so disheartened. Like it's well, just like he must be like, what what am I supposed to play with? I'm playing with Benedetto right of me. Behind me is Sanson, who's just Sanson's not even a football player at this point. He's just he's he's just a, like he's just doing athletics. He's just running around laps. So like you just he must just look at this and be like, what am I supposed to do with this? But it's like. That's your job, man. You're the key player of the team. You're nearly basically the captain. You used to be the captain. You're supposed to inspire those players, but you're, instead you're just withdrawing and it's showing in this game. Well, I mean, I've, I think I found the conclusion why he's been struggling as of late. I think because of the fact that the Euro has got postponed, he's gone downhill. Which what I've noticed with Dimitri Pai is one, when he's challenging for a national team spot... He's up for it. He's in every tackle, every pass. He's there. Bang, bang, bang. Where a tournament isn't there, he just goes off. He just, his effort just dies down a little bit. I mean, surely it's something, not just me who's nervous, okay, but yeah. when before the, Euro, before the Euros, before they got called off, he was in amazing form yeah. compared yeah. to what he is now. That's definitely, then he got, that's definitely a thing. That's definitely a, a Payet thing with, with, with international games. But it's... Like it's the Euros next next year, so yeah. What would he show up now? Well, I have no idea. Obviously, he's getting ready for a magical spell in January, where <laughs> he's going to be scoring like thirty yard screamers, and then being going to have a six pack. Going to have two six packs. For me, it's he's, 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 his effort depends. I don't think Didier Deschamps really has been paying that much attention to him. So he's been like, oh, might as well just not show up. Might as well just walk around. But he is that kind of player who wants to get to big tournaments, and if he doesn't, if there's no big tournament in sight, or he's not, he knows full well he's not going to get picked. He just gives up, and it, it shows. It, 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 yeah. it, it's something I've always noticed about Dimitri Payet, and it yeah. is always something that I can't put my finger on. Yeah, um, let, I think we should move on to the to the, to the midfielders, uh, but. I'm, for now, I'm going to skip Rangier and Sanson because I feel like we need a little bit of positivity. So I'm going to move on straight. <laughs> Before going back to Sanson and Rangier, I'm going to go back to Pat Gay, who, you know, he's... What, how old is he now? 19? 20? He's in 1999, so he's like 20, 21. 21, yeah. He's playing his third game of, of, you know, first game of Champions League, third game of Ligue 1, and before that, he just played in Ligue 2. He was by far the best player on the pitch last night. It didn't come close. He was... It was the first time he played in number six because Kamara was suspended. And the difference between him playing the sentinel role to a box-to-box -box role that he normally plays in Marseille is just night and day. His his vision to, like, pick out passes when he's, like, he's got three attackers next to him, his ability to actually 
get the ball back from players. I thought he would be a lot weaker than that. He was just fantastic. You know, by far for me, the man of the match. What, 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 what did you think about him, Jeremy? Yeah, I, I can, I can only agree with you. I think he was, I think he was great. I'm almost, I'm almost disappointed that he was that good as the number six because I think when Kamara's in form, Kamara's amazing as well in that position. So it's almost sad to have. Uh, our two best young players in the same position. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, you said it, the guy was playing in Division 2 uh, a few months back uh, and there he is, first out in Champions League and he actually showed up compared to all those people who are supposed to uh, be showing up on those games. He actually showed up. He actually, uh, you know, had had these, uh, these Pogba-like legs that were trying to uh, get all those, recover all the balls, uh, and also the ability to always turn around, get on his left foot, and try and bring the ball forward. Uh, which you know, what else do you want from from a midfielder? A midfielder in his first game on the bigger stage. Uh, I think it was. I think it was really, really good. Uh, you know, I don't. I don't want to say he was fantastic and he's the next guy because it was only one game. Uh, but I really think that it was good to see that he can be one of those players who can actually show up when he is. I mean, you know, if you think about a midfield where it's him, Kamara and Cuisance, uh, I'd love that because it looks like they are the three players who are actually giving a shit uh, this season and who actually want to to perform well for Marseille. So, he, yeah, very pleased with his performance. And yet we know that next, next week... That's not going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. Uh, yeah, I, I can sort of agree what Jeremy said. I, I think he was the best player on the pitch, and I think that's because he was up for it. You know, bearing in mind where he's come from, League 2, he's come all the way here, and he's now in the Champions League. You're 19 years old. You, of course, you're going to be up for it, and of course, you're going to go get stuck in. And he played a rip. Played really well, a model for what the uh, experienced uh, professionals should be doing. But you can't big like Jeremy said. We cannot big him up yet because it was overall it was a poor team performance. So uh, I don't. I think we should stop wetting our knickers for a minute and just chill out. <laughs> Realise it was it was a decent performance, but it wasn't Zidane esque. Yeah, pretty close. Pretty close. And, and also, he's 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 uh, he's twenty one. Um, and not 19, like, like you said, uh, he's 21. Sorry. Oh, God, he's same age as me. Why should I know that? Oh, God. <laughs> which, which also makes me think that it's great that he's at that level, but he's, he's, almost, um, he's almost two years too late to be given all that hope that he might progress into that amazing player. He's, at 21 years old, players most, most likely are already formed and you can see what they can, they can bring to, to their career. So I think... He better play that way right now because otherwise it's too late. Okay. Right. Um. Let's let's move on to so let me back then after this little hiatus <laughs> from from the reality of what yesterday was. Let's move on. Let's move on to Rangier and Sanson. Um. They, I mean, they've been. It's been very very weird actually on social media because from from media and journalists, Sanson and Rangier are loved by French media and journalists. They they always praised you know their. They're like workload, their box-to-box abilities, their ability to eliminate players whilst able to like defend very well, and and from a fan perspective, they're they're awful at the moment. You know, they're like the worst players on the planet. They can't play football. All they can do is run. They can't actually create anything. They're slowing down any build-up they're creating. What what's your vision 
of what the, these players should be like and how they're performing at the moment. I don't want to. I don't want to lead you into my opinion. <laughs> uh, I think. I think I'm more. I'm, I'll criticize Sanson more than I criticize Rangier for the simple fact that Sanson last season was a little bit more that fake number ten position and was also more often than not finding himself in the front line because if he is that um, that marathon runner that we know he is, we need to see him more up front. And I think it maybe comes down to a lack of confidence early this season, uh, the fact that he's not able to even control the ball, let alone pass it. Um, so so Sanson, I think, is very, very disappointing because we know how, far he, how fast he can run and we know that even if he never scores, uh, he likes to actually, actually shoot the ball. Uh, so I was, I was disappointing, again, that he didn't show up in Champions League, but more so since the beginning of the season that he's not able to actually combine well with Payet and Amavi and the other midfielders, uh, and that he's not able to bring that much danger up front. As far as Rangier, I think Rangier has that position that's the hardest to actually judge and criticise on TV because we don't always see him because I think what matters most with Rangier is his off-the-ball work, and off-the-ball, I like what he does. I like where he positions himself. I like that thanks to him and Camara this season, you don't see other midfielders actually coming in um, the Marseille side. So, so I don't mind what he does. What, what I mind, obviously, is last year we've seen um, a few a few times the way he can combine with, uh, with it was Maxim Lopez mostly last year, uh, or with Benedetto, and we haven't seen that much. We've seen him playing more, uh, I guess, negatively, as in passing the ball back than passing the ball front. Uh, and I think I think that's annoying for me because there's that 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 whole mantra of you have to keep the ball in your feet. So if you can't find a solution up front, you're going to go back and play with your central defender. And I feel like Marseille is doing that every single time, uh, which which is maybe because there's no solution up front, but also annoys me because if you don't try, then obviously you're not gonna you're not gonna make it. So I, I think Sanson is worse than Rangier. I'm still I still have a little bit of Rangier stock in me that I can. Uh, that I can forgive him and that when I saw what he did with, with Cuisance, I was pretty happy. So I think Rangier can still do it. Sanson needs a big, 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 um, whatever the word is for remise en question. He needs to really think about what he's been doing uh, and and get better quickly. Yeah, yeah. How about you, Ed? What do you think, Ed? Ah, okay. Um... Yeah, I mean, I think I, I, I'm pretty much not singing from the same hymn sheet from you, Jeremy. Um, for me, these two players should really be pushing forward for that French squad. They're both in the prime of their mm-hmm. careers. They're both quick. They both can really go up the field. So uh, it's a bit, it's a bit worrying when they're not seemingly, they're not there. They're not quite there at the moment. They all seem a bit lost. It's, it's something odd something odd about it because it seems to be last season I think with Strootman there was a bit more creativity but now it seems they've, they've gone a bit flat I think AVB's system of the 4-3-3 just doesn't work they have to work it's just it's not there there needs to be something changed for these two players to turn up more and find what they once were which were two amazing midfielders which last season we were very lucky to have What 
they used to be when they first arrived. You know, the assist leader in Saint-Saëns, Rangier was the was the one-man army from for Nantes to now they just shell of themselves. And I, I worry that for Gay and for Cuisance it's going to be the same thing. Um, I'd, I'd like to, to, to finish off the podcast with talk, looking a little bit ahead of, of next week. Um, but so just to finish the squad, I'd like you to get guys like key on each of you, whoever you want, really. It can be the same player if you want on one player in the defense that you'd like to talk about most that, that good or bad, you know, we need to, to, to discuss. Ed, Ed, which, which one would you key on? I'd look at Chilatisar at the moment. He's been a bit off recently. He needs to up his game a bit more. It seems to me that he works better with Kamara than he does with Alvaro. There needs to be something done about this. And I feel that Chilatisar needs to calm down a bit more. Been going a bit too much into challenges for my liking for what he was. I mean, yeah, two seasons ago, he was a bit all over the shot. But he should be more mature now. That's that's what freaks me out about Letisar at the moment. He's just all over the place. So he needs to, AVB needs to pull him aside and say, please stop going into challenges willy-nilly. You've got to be more calm on the ball. You've got to help Kamara out. You've got to help Jordan out. Because it's it's not working at the moment. I, don't, I can't put my finger on it. It just, something needs to change. Yeah, I'll what go with uh, I'll go with Sakai. Um, I, I think I think it's a it's not a problem yet, but it's it's about to become a problem. Um, the fact that we're going to have so many games one after the other, uh, and uh, we know that Sakai can perform, and we know that if he doesn't perform, he'll still always be solid defensively. Uh, but on a game like yesterday, I feel like he just wasn't. As, as good as he should be and we've seen a few times um, uh, whatever the, that defender was in Watford before um, Olebas um, being able to cross without being bothered at all uh, and if if Sakai is not able to close on those guys faster uh, he, he creates an issue because then Tovin has to defend more then Alvaro is actually um, sort of attracted to come on the right side a little bit more and I think he could definitely unbalance the, the defence and I think that back four is actually solid for Marseille this season. Um, just we haven't seen Sakai at his, at his top level, or at least we've seen him very sporadically at his top level. And the fact that there's absolutely no uh, competition for him at this uh, at this position, to me, is a bit worrying. last year you know one of the revelations of the season um coming up on loan for only and then four million that we paid for him he was this player that was rock solid that wasn't going to do anything too fancy but that wasn't going to get burned by anyone you know he he would always be a solid six out of ten on your squad and since the start of the season and particularly yesterday i thought he was very very shaky um you, you know, towards the end of the game, we, we were getting, you know, floods of chances for Olympiacos, especially from set pieces. They, they were thinking there were three headers and the last one finally went in. And the, the, the two of them, the one from Semedo and the one from, I think, El Arabi, the first one, that was, that was Alvaro's man. And he was beaten both times. You know, like, if those could have easily been goals if they were just more, more realistic in, in their, like, in a heading ability. He was beaten, and that was his responsibility. And against Bordeaux, Maja's goal, 
although it comes from Darabeneto losing the ball, Maja was Alvaro's man, but he gets sucked in by Brion. And it's just like, what are you doing getting sucked in when there's three players around Brion anyway? Like, he he doesn't look the, you know, the, the sure player that he once was. You know, we talk about Sakai always being, you know, a 6 out of 10 and never going under that. Alvaro used to be that player, and I'm very worried about him now. Um, I think that, I think we'll, I think that's it for for the Olympiacos game. I think we'll probably cap off there. Um, but just for the last what four minutes or so before we cap off the the recording, um, I'd like to talk about a little bit about the games that we've got ahead. So we're playing a lot of games in a row because of the coronavirus. You know, Champions League's now playing every week. And because they have to alternate between Wednesday games and Tuesday games, it means that Marseille, even though we've played on Wednesday, we're going to have to play not on Sunday, but we're going to have to play Lorient on Saturday, which is then followed by Man City on Tuesday, followed by Lance on Friday, and Porto on Tuesday again. So it's literally playing every three days. Um, seeing how Villas-Boas is very reluctant to make any substitutions from the starting squad, how worried are you that we could fall back in the league despite the relatively easy competition that we'd face? Hopefully, we'll make changes. <laughs> I guess I'm, I am, maybe I'm being too hopeful, but you think that that's the period where he's going to use um, all his squad. I wouldn't be surprised to see... Um, like I said, I think Cuisance is going to very quickly become a, um, a starter. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised to see him. I wouldn't be surprised to see Ake coming in a little bit more. We haven't really seen much of Ake in the last um, few weeks. Um, but yeah, I'm a bit worried about this weekend. Uh, Lorient, Lorient has been in, in form um, as of late. You know, that win in Reims this weekend was pretty good, although Reims got a couple of red cards. Uh, so, so I think it's going to be hard. And I think coming back to what we were saying about AVB and is he in the hot seat, if he's not able to negotiate those six, seven games that are coming one after the other, uh, maybe he'll end up being in a hot seat. I guess right now I'm not, I'm not going to say that I'm too worried because I I can see them, I can see this team getting me so angry that they're going to perform in Liga and get completely shit in Champions League. Um, But, uh, but yeah, it could, it could definitely be a problem. Okay, we're not we're not going to have a podcast for the long run game, unfortunately. But so, what, <laughs> what what's your what's your prediction for L'Oreal? Uh, I think we're going to be like sort of the same game as Brest. You know, we're going to be super lucky and maybe win two one or three two, uh, and that's going to be the the tree that masks the forest. Fine, brilliant. And Ed, what what, what do you think about the run? So we've got L'Oreal, then we're playing Man City at home, then we're Hosting Lance and going to Porto, capping off that hellish week, like schedule with Strasbourg away. What what are you thinking? What what does that what does that inspire you at all? Uh, I can see a runaway train crashing into the tunnel. That's that inspired. That's why I think about this run. Um, we it's going to be a chance to get two wins. There's a chance to get a draw in the Champions League, but there's a potential for two losses. City is guaranteed a loss. Because I cannot see us be holding the likes of Aguero, uh, De Bruyne, Gundogan, whoever plays for City that night. I can't see us holding them to anything. Um, and the run against Strasbourg. Strasbourg is not an easy place to play at any time. So it's going to be tough. I'm, I'm not so sure. It, Lorient is a crunch game. Because if we don't beat Lorient, then there is real trouble 
on the horizon. The next two league games are vital because they can be such hit and miss. Now, if you don't beat them, how the hell are you going to compete in the, in the Champions League and how the hell are you going to compete with the big boys uh, in the league? So, it's must win. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. As, I, as I've said, we needed to get at least a point out of Olympiacos tonight. But things have not gone that way. So, this is going to be crunch games now, both in domestic and in the in the league. We have to do well. If we don't do well, we might as well, we might as well, we might as well quit. What's your gut, gut feeling about Lorient? What's your prediction? Well, I think Lorient are a tricky team. They'll play up for it. And I think he'll be... I'm going 2-1 Marseille. I'm going to go simple result. I think Kursad will pull us out of the hay. Yeah. All right, cool. Well, we've got two, two, two wins on the cards from Jeremy and Ed. I'm, <laughs> I'm always pessimistic. I think we're going to lose this game. I genuinely think we're going to lose this game. It's going to be 3-1 for Lorient. I, I, I'm expecting a, a complete collapse from, from AVB, who puts the same team in a 4-3-3 and puts the same substitutes in a 75th minute, even though we've been getting crushed since the 20th minute. I think we're going to get beaten again, and it's going to start a very bad spiral, just like how we started with Garcia. So on, on that note of, uh, of naming he who shall not be named in Rudy Garcia, uh, we will cap off this week's episode, and uh, we'll, I think we're coming back after the Man City game, uh, which will be next Thursday. Um, so thank you very much, everyone, for listening. Uh, thank you guys for coming on the on the podcast. We're looking forward to, to having you back. And uh, and yeah, see you next week. Thanks, thank Lucas. See you soon, mate. Cheers. Cheers, Lucas.